Good morning, Church. Selamat Hari Merdeka. A couple of days early, but this is the weekend before we celebrate the 31st of August, Malaysia's National Independence Day. And uh, it's a real honor and a privilege for me to have this opportunity to share with you the Word of God on this Sunday morning from my home to yours. Uh, I bring much love from my family, my wife Hannah, my two daughters, Shay and Kaylee. Um, we have been friends uh, of your church, friends of Pastor Stephen and Flora for a while now. We have been to your church before. Um, my wife has been a couple more times than I have, sharing the word and encouraging uh, the congregation there in Klang. Um, so much love from us um, and much warm wishes uh, to the High Point Life community. Uh, we have had a long-standing friendship uh, with your pastors. Uh, we love them dearly. And, and they have a huge heart for the nation as much as we do. Um, and, uh, you know, as, 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 as we serve the nation and community together, it is such an honor and a privilege uh, to have such friends. Um, so I, I jumped at the opportunity when Pastor Stephen reached out to me, um, asking me whether I could share a message, um, a National Day message. Uh, on this weekend before the 31st of August. There's no way I could say no. Um, and at the same time as well, God has placed upon my heart um, a fresh new message um, for Malaysia um, in such a time as this um, that, that I feel I needed to take this opportunity and say yes and start sharing this message uh, with the church. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to share with you uh, from the book of Nehemiah, but it's not the usual story about rebuilding the wall and why we need to rebuild the wall and how how long it took to rebuild the wall. I'm not going to share that message. Um, it's a slightly different message leading up to the rebuilding of the wall. Uh, but, you know, before we get into the word, um, uh, I think we should pray. I think we should, we should uh, pray and ask God for him to speak to all of us wherever we are. Um, and so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word that is, that is ready to be unlocked at any moment of time, the power of your word to bring about a rebirth in a man, but the power of your word to also you know, bring about revival in a nation, that the nation can be saved in a moment, that the nation can be saved in a day. And so we in Malaysia right now, as we approach and we remember the birth of our nation, we pray, Lord, and we ask for the power of your word to bring about a rebirth. We stand firm, we stand committed, we stand faithful, for you are all of those and more. We serve you, Jesus. You are unchanging, you are, you are good yesterday, you are good today, and you will forever be good tomorrow. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Malaysia in 2021, um, I don't think anybody would have uh, expected the world and our nation to be where we are today. Um, even as as you know, reason as two years ago at the start, if you, if all of you can you know remember back how you celebrated um, um, the New Year's Day 2020, no one thought um, you know 2020 would turn out the way it did and you know prolong into this year as well 2021. But Malaysia, where we are today, um, in August of 2021, uh, we faced a triple threat: um, crisis of health, a crisis of economy, and a crisis of you know politics. The crisis of health led to the crisis of economy and the crisis of politics has been ongoing ever since 2018 and even before. Uh, but the pandemic and um, the lockdowns and uh, the manner in, 
as to how our nation has responded to those two things has led to a deteriorating state of politics and governance. And so we, we are in a very um, unprecedented situation, not just from a pandemic point of view, but from a Malaysia point of view. We have never been in such a state before. And we see uh, we are faced with an unprecedented uh, rate of change. Things are changing at a pace that we've never seen before. Case in point, um, from the time of independence until 2018, we had one federal government. Um, and But from 2018, to 2021, we have now had four governments. Um, and with that, four prime ministers. Uh, in 2018, we had, you know, Dr. Sri Najib, who was unseated and replaced by Dr. Mahade for his second stint. So that's two prime ministers in 2018. And in 2020, um, there was um, a new government that came to overthrow the one that won power in 2018. It's a third government. And just last week, uh, in recent times, uh, we had we have a we have a fourth, we have a fourth government in this in this same in this one term, in the last three years, um, and so that's that's an unprecedented rate of change. We did not change for so many years, and then all of a sudden, in in uh, the the span of three years, uh, four different prime ministers. Um, but that's really the state of the world today, right? Change is happening at a much faster rate. What would normally take 10 years, um, change is taking place in a year. And what we thought would never change is changing right now. Um, and that means that with change come uncertainties, right? Because you can't really predict what's, what's going to happen next. Um, and that uncertainty usually can lead to two things. Um, either we leverage upon the uncertainty and create new opportunities, or um, various degrees of uncertainties, um, very severe uncertainties can lead to chaos. Uh, so you either get a state of order, a new order, or a state of disorder. Right? Um, and therefore, a nation is, is, is much unprepared for that. But just looking back at what happened in 2020 with the onset of the pandemic and where we are today, uh, the, you know, it has brought about severe devastation. Um, loss of lives, um, and with that, a recession in the economy. Uh, businesses have collapsed, uh, and with that, uh, loss of jobs. And so we, we, we are a nation that is in trouble, like many other nations around us. So we are not unique in that sense, but we share, we share a common problem with the world, but at the same time, there are many things peculiar, unique to Malaysia that we need to take stock of. But I think the way we have managed the pandemic, and everyone of you here can agree, the lockdowns have been quite severe for us, not in terms of the manner of the lockdown, but just the length of the lockdown. Um, we, have, we have had one of the longest lockdowns in the world, in terms of the many iterations of lockdowns. And every lockdown is not a three-day lockdown, it's not a seven-day lockdown. Each episode is months on end. So if you look at the severity and the length of the lockdowns, we have... We have you know, had it quite bad, uh, one of the worst hits nations in the world in terms of how we are managing the pandemic. And so we are in a situation almost um, where our walls lie in ruins. Um, it will not be a stretch to say that. And our gates uh, burn with fire. Right? Very similar to the situation in the book of Nehemiah as, as, he, as um, he had to grapple with the situation in Jerusalem. Walls lie in ruins and gates are burned. So very similar circumstances, not literally, we don't have literal walls and we don't have literal gates, but it's 
Um, it's meant to symbolize what's going on in our nation. And so what does the future hold? Uh, for the first time, we don't seem to know uh, where we are headed. And so the nation is burdened tremendously. And, and coupled with the most recent political events, uh, it doesn't help. Uh, there was an additional layer of burden upon us. And I know the church felt it a lot. Um, the church were praying very fervently over this period of political turmoil that has now settled with a new prime minister appointed last weekend. Um, but why? Why have we been burdened by this, right? Why, why did the church uh, felt the need to take on this additional burden of uh, prayer for the nation? Is because the church realized that our nation needs uh, anointed leadership, not just any leadership. It needs a burdened leadership, leaders who are burdened for the nation, and leaders who are anointed for such a time as this. And so we, we all were praying very fervently, and I know all of you have been too. Um, and and uh, we, we pray um, for the leaders. We pray for the leadership. And, uh, you know, prayer is fantastic, and, and we can't live without prayer. But sometimes we pray for things like this. Uh, we almost pray for the other person or the unknown person or, 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 or this unknown group of people, the, you know, political leaders or the politicians. Uh, we pray for them. It's almost as though we are praying for them to be burdened. You know? um, and we overlook the personal burden that is first upon us. Right? There is a reason why we are praying for the nation. Because there is a burden on us. That is the reason why all of you have been praying for your nation, because there is a burden on you. So we should not overlook us. We should not overlook the personal burden that is upon us first, before we pray for the larger leadership that is out there, that is sometimes could be foreign to many of you. Of course, most of you may know some people, like Hannah, like my wife, and other political leaders who may be familiar and and have a personal relationship with you, but generally we don't. We pray for them as though you know it's an unknown group of people. Lord, let your burden fall on them. Uh, but let us learn from Nehemiah as to how the burden affected him, right? And what did the burden cause him to do? So I'm going to be preaching from Nehemiah chapter one and two. That's it. Nehemiah chapter one and two. And so uh, in in Nehemiah chapter 1, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture here, and I feel that, that um, it is time that we really you know, declare this scripture into our nation. Uh, so I'm going to read this, and please get your Bibles open um, to that book, the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. And, and uh, when you read chapter 1, and with the backdrop of Malaysia today, uh, it's a strikingly similar circumstance, right? Uh, it's not the same nation, but the circumstances are very similar. A nation that is in ruins, uh, failure, um, lost hope in the people, lost cause in the people. Some of you can relate as I use this word. Some of you can already relate and say, yes, that's exactly how I feel inside. That I really don't know what to pray for next. Uh, I don't know what else is left for me to pray for. I've prayed everything, but seems like things are getting worse rather than getting better. Um, and so let us take courage, draw courage and draw strength from the word. And so I'm going to read... Um, the first four verses of Nehemiah chapter 1. 
verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. And this is Nehemiah speaking, right? Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Verse 3, they said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed, before the God of heaven. I'll stop there for a moment. This is when Nehemiah receives his burden. Okay. And we know that faith comes from hearing. But let me extend that. Faith comes from hearing and what it does, it deposits a burden in us. And this is what happened to Nehemiah. He hears this report about Jerusalem from his brothers his brothers in faith, his brothers from the community. And a deep personal burden falls on him, right? We hear about how he hears it, and immediately it brought him to his knees. He sat down and he wept. And it says it's not a for a moment, it's not for a couple of minutes, not for an hour, for some days. A very deep, heavy burden fell upon Nehemiah. And for many days he mourned and fasted and prayed before God. And so here, here you see uh, uh, the burden falling and this man grappling and, and dealing with that burden. And right after that, he allows the burden to sit in him. Right? He doesn't dust off the burden. He doesn't cast off the burden on someone else. He doesn't uh, place the burden on a shelf. Right? He allows the burden to take root in him. And then in verse 5, after days of mourning and weeping and fasting and praying, the burden now turns into a prayer and action. Okay, So you see the translation of the burden. Now it becomes a godly burden because now there's prayer to the one who has given him the burden. And so we'll read now uh, verse 5, uh, right up to the end of that chapter. And this is Nehemiah's prayer. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your ears open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you, day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of these men. Here you see a prayer wrapped around an action. right? And it is, it is a personal action. It's not praying for somebody else to do something. 
Nehemiah is praying a prayer for him to move. And he has resolved through this prayer, we know he has resolved to do something. It's not clear yet, but in the next chapter we hear what is his action. But just before he goes and performs the action, he prays to God. So the burden has resulted in a prayer and a resolution in Nehemiah to perform an action. Right? That and this is what changes a nation. This is what causes change to come upon your city, right? When when we allow the burdens of God to grow and develop into prayer and action, right? The prayer has needs to have links to it, not just words. And here is where Nehemiah is absolutely exercising the power of prayer here. And lastly, the end of chapter one, right after that prayer, interestingly, it says this: I was cupbearer to the king, right? And so here you see the burden for Jerusalem falls on a layman, a cupbearer, who serves the king of Persia. And this is a very important point. God's burden uh, does not discriminate and is not determined by your qualification, your location, your status, or even uh, uh, your role, you know, your job. Uh, God's burden falls uh, irrespective of any of that. It's not a respecter of men. God's burden is not selective. God's burden is not uh, pre-approved for certain groups of people. Uh, God's burden for Jerusalem fell on a cupbearer who is not even in Jerusalem. He is in Persia and he's serving the king of Persia. A layman. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. Unlike Ezra, unlike Malachi, Nehemiah is a layman. But yet, there was a burden now for his city. Now it brings us to uh, what he's going to do next. But let us rest on that point for a while, about God's burden being laid, laid upon his people. And that is why, you know, part of our prayer for Malaysia needs to be for the burden of God to fall upon her people. Uh, and, and not just upon the political leaders, not just upon uh, the politicians. Uh, not just upon the known leadership, but the unknown men and women of God who has the power and the potential within them to bring about change, to rebuild a nation. The young, the next generation, the younger ones, you know, we need to start praying prayers where the, where the burden of God will fall on our children so that they've got a heart and vision for the city and for the nation for the burden of God to fall upon those who are in the furthest reaches of this nation, even outside of Malaysia, those, those, those who have been called to serve God outside of Malaysia, just like Nehemiah, a burden for Jerusalem while he was in Persia. Right? We need to start declaring an open heaven for the burden of God to fall upon the people from Malaysia. When a nation receives a burden, then we're not relying on one man to make a difference. We've got a nation of people. We've got the entire body activated by God to go to him in prayer and to find action in their prayer. But this brings us to the next chapter. This is where all the action takes place, uh, begins to take place. Um, Nehemiah goes to the king and here is where his personal burden matched with prayer, right? 
he had a burden for days. He mourned. He fasted, and he and he uh, wept, prayed, and then he decides to do something. He says, "God, in give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man." He knew he had to speak to the king. He did not disclose to us in his prayer what he was about to say, but we read that in chapter two. And he walks to the king, and he, as part of his duty as the cupbearer, serves wine to the king, and he begins. And the king, you know, notices that something is troubling his cupbearer. They begin to converse, and Nehemiah begins to share his burden with the king, and begins to ask the king for specific things. And he tells the king this, right? May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? Because the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins. The king said, "What is it that you want?" Then he tells the king, "If the if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it." Right? Nehemiah has resolved to be part of a rebuilding mission. He wants to go and rebuild his city. Nehemiah offers himself to rebuild a city. Right? Here is where the personal burden matched with prayer provides the answer. And the answer isn't found in someone else. The answer isn't found in some other party. The answer is found in him. Right? And that is what burden, prayer, needs to do to us. Right? It needs to turn us into an answer. Not turn all of us into prophets. Some of us need to be the answer. But sometimes the answer is the prophet. Right? But here you have a layman, a cupbearer saying, I'm going to go and rebuild the city. Godly burden equips you for the mission. And Nehemiah's mission is to rebuild a city. And sometimes we wait for God to tell us what the mission is. But sometimes God just lays a burden on you. It's for you to discover the mission. It's for you to manifest the mission. And as Nehemiah does that, as he speaks to the king, he lays out his mission. I'm going to rebuild my city. We all know Nehemiah is the rebuilder of the walls as part of the rebuilding of the city. But he did not discover that as his mission. Nehemiah's mission is not to rebuild the wall. That was the first task of the mission. His mission is to rebuild the city. We sometimes get preoccupied with preparing for the first task when God simply needs us to respond to the mission. Nehemiah is a builder of a city. He's a nation builder. He's a city builder. That's your mission. If you've got a burden for your nation and your city, you are a city builder. Don't get lost with finding the bricks yet. right? Don't get lost with preparing for the task when you need to first respond to the mission. And so this is what Nehemiah does. He goes to the king and lays out his mission to the king. He does not tell the king yet that he's going to rebuild the wall and the strategy to rebuild the city, you know, step one, step two, step three. He's not done that yet. He discovers that he needs to rebuild the wall only much later when he arrives at the city. And he says, look, this is really the biggest need. I'm going to rebuild the wall first. That's my first task. But he is first he, he first takes on the burden of the mission before you start getting into the task. And so Nehemiah's burden then, with a clear mission now, provided him with the courage to face the king and sought the king's release. And as he does that, we see the king providing him 
with whatever that he asked for. Nehemiah, by the end of chapter 2, secured investment from the king. Investment in terms of time, where the king says, I will give you time off for you to be released from serving me as a cupbearer and you go and rebuild your city. That's a huge investment from the king to release his cupbearer for that. He secures safe passage from the king, a letter from the king that would guarantee safe passage back to Jerusalem from Persia. Not only that, he secures investment of materials, raw materials, for him to rebuild his city. And we thought that it was good enough. No, he further secures the king was so convinced of this man, this man on a mission, that the king gives him protection, his army and infantry, to go with his cupbearer back to Jerusalem to guarantee protection for Nehemiah. You see, personal burden draws investment and release for the cause. You know, we, you know, our nation needs to secure investments, not just monetary investments, not just fiscal investments, not the kind of investments that the government would measure investments with, foreign direct investments. That's, we need that. But before that can come in, before that can flow in, our nation needs to draw and secure investment from her people. Time, protection, an investment of effort, an investment of cause, right? And that can only come from personal burden, where there is visible personal burden, only then investments are made. Right. So we we see here we have a we have a we have a leadership uh, education here a leadership insight here from Nehemiah about how to secure investment. People invest in people. The king invests in his cupbearer. And burden draws investment. And so your burden for your nation. And the things that you feel God is calling you to do, and I'm speaking to very specific people here, who I know there has been a stirring, but for far too long, you have struggled to take the next step. I want you to know that it's been done before. Our God has you know, given us a template and He has shown us how it's been done before. That your personal burden will now be able to draw an investment to release you into your mission. The others will come alongside you for your mission. It won't be a lonely journey for you. You will have unmerited favor for your mission. I declare this, I prophetically declare upon your church, High Point Life, unmerited favor for a city building exercise, for a city building mission for where God has placed you. And for those of you who are joining in and listening in, right, you, you are partakers of that prophecy, you are partakers of that word, that the burden in you, that unique personal burden in you, will find manifestation from now onwards and not just locked up in you, constantly tugging in you. For some of you, your burden has become a thorn in your flesh. I pray, I pray now, right now, that this thorn is removed and it returns back to feed your burden. Your burden comes alive now. Your burden comes alive again. And let your burden translate to prayer to your God 
who is the issuance, who is the issuer of that burden in the first place. He who issues the burden, hears your prayer. And in your prayer, you provide your answer. You are the answer. The one who prays is the answer. And with that comes a release of investment your way, a release of resources your way, a release of mandate your way, safe passage for you, granted, for you to turn your nation around, for you to reach the people groups that has been on your heart all this while. So the rebuilding of Malaysia requires a personal burden of leadership, not accidental leadership, not engineered leadership, but burden-led leadership. I want us to pray now. I want us to pray that what we have received from God here through just two, two very introductory chapters of the book of Nehemiah that lays out the foundation for us to rebuild our nation. That there will be light at the end of the tunnel. That what seems to be in ruins shall be rebuilt. I want to hear a resounding amen in your homes. That what lies in ruins, what seems like a, like a despairing situation, where disillusionment will be replaced by fresh vision again. Fresh vision for you. For no man shall perish in this nation. That every man equipped with a burden will have a mission and a vision for his nation. And with that comes godly release of resources. We need to pray specifically. I want to lead you in prayer now. I want to lead you in, in your church now in prayer. Specifically, for all of us here who is listening to the word of God and all of us here who is having our hearts knocked upon by the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray specifically for for the young ones, the new generation, the younger generation. And I feel that that is a burden generation. That is, that is a burden generation. We know it. We see it. We see that God is doing something with the much younger ones. I'm talking the 18-year-olds and above and even younger, right? There is this generation that God is about to release into their destiny. And this is uncharted territory for them because there's going to be a radical acceleration, right? That rate of change from a follower to a leader is going to be instantaneous. But that can only happen to those who are burdened. And so let us pray. Father, we, we ask for a new beginning upon this nation that is yours, your hand that is upon this nation, your hand that constantly shelters this nation and you know, provides refuge for us. But also at the same time, never sweeping anything under the carpet. Our God is a God who who shakes off the rug and shows us everything that needs to be cleaned up. And while the nation has been under lockdown, there is fertile ground for the Spirit of God to move. And so we pray, Lord, that in this time when we come out of a lockdown, Lord, we declare a movement of the Spirit of God over the face of this nation like it has never seen before. Like it has never seen before, Jesus. That the, the young and the old will sense the move, will sense the need to move. We pray for those who have heard the call of God to begin to fall down to your knees and begin to let that burden take over. That burden which is heavy, that burden which is bigger than you, will be coupled by godly prayer 
and godly resources because it is indeed bigger than you. For that personal burden shall translate and go beyond you and draw the attention and investment of others around you. Father, we pray for, for a new generation of leadership to arise in this nation, for the shepherds in the field to hear the call of God, for the shepherds in the field to be anointed, for the shepherds, Lord, the worshippers who are out in the field and fighting their own battles and, and doing what they can, the young ones, the youths of this nation, that you, you are a revival generation. You're not a pandemic generation. You are a revival generation. For the babies that were born during this lockdown period, you carry a revival spirit in you. That God will quicken your spirit, boy and girl. God will quicken your spirit to hear what he wants you to do for this nation. And, and, and your ears will be tuned to the mission. And, that, and, and as you hear that, and as you hear that, that mission will give you courage to seek for your resources to equip you for the task ahead. And I pray for clarity of mission law among the young ones, that God will cause your prayers to have legs today. God will cause your prayers to have legs today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray for an activation, Lord, for an activation in your body like never before. That the church in Malaysia rises up now with a clear burden that energizes you, a clear burden that gives you ideas, a clear burden that releases prophetic declaration. We declare upon this nation. And in the same way, Lord, you're the creative power of your word creates life, created us and created the universe. We speak into this nation today. We speak into this nation today that your best days are ahead of you, Malaysia, that the leader that will come will be an anointed one, that the next generation of leadership will be a burden-led leadership, will be an anointed leadership, will be those who are picked out from obscurity. And you will see the hand of God. You will see the hand of God calling, anointing and appointing. Father, we, we tear down all structures, all chains and legacy of power structures. We bring it down right now in Jesus' name. And we install clear passageway, Lord, for spiritual leadership, for, for, for political leadership, for economic leadership, for social leadership in every sphere, because we're not just talking about a government here. We are talking about a nation being rebuilt. Let the walls of Malaysia be rebuilt and let the gates be put in place again and let the bolts come down on those gates again. Let security come upon this nation. Let prosperity come upon this nation. Let righteousness reign. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Church. I hope that has been a blessing for you. And uh, let's stand in hope, stand in prayer, stand in faith, stand in mission for Malaysia. Thank you.